G'day, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending Friday the 29th of April. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 till 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, Fee Wright was back in the studio talking about Judith Brett's book, Doing Politics, Writing on Public Life. And we also talked about the perils of sending a dog to the groomers and the transformation that they can have as a result. India and I do spoke to us about her new book, The Space Between the Stars. And apparently the smoke alarm at my parents' place has been going off for years, but none of us have noticed. Uh, Nat Harris was our Friday funny bugger this week as well. Also, Community Cup is back. <whistles> yes. Uh, but we kick off with Bobby desperate to do her civic duty. Triple R. I got a um, I got a letter in the mail last week. Uh, very excited! Congrats! I, thank you. Uh, I've been randomly selected for jury duty. Oh, so that's am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Oh no, have I just? No, that's fine. <laughs> well, made yourself ineligible. Yes. Oh, no, that's f- no. You're just not allowed to say what ca- what the case, what the case is. is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I've obviously never been selected. Oh, well, that's a, you haven't. I'm no. excited for you. Thank you. Have you been selected? No, never. Oh. God, a friend of mine got selected uh, last year and she was over the moon. She was a school teacher mm. uh, and I think she had about a month oh. um, and she was just like got to meet new people. They just went for brunch and lunch and extended lunch. Because Do you have to stay out of your home? No, I mean, it depends where you live. Like there are certain reasons that you can be excluded from it, um, which include like living 50 kilometres plus uh-huh. from the place. Uh, from, no, from but your, your question is, do you during have to stay trial. in a hotel during the trial? Oh, yeah, not yeah, that yeah. I know of. I mean, maybe if it's a major case or something, you might have I to. I remember but... watching the doco about the OJ trial and these people like oh. didn't see their families for a really long time. Oh, right. Yeah, no, she got to go home and everything. Okay. So, yeah, no, that was fine. Um, but, yeah, she said it was... A lot of not much, but she enjoyed meeting new people and just hanging out. And and get... with your job, do you just get time off? That's that's in, that's not doesn't come out of your leave or something. Do we... yeah, I have a so... feeling we don't have all the answers to this. No, 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 no. <laughs> no well, I was looking it up because I oh. wanted to find out a lot about it. Um, so I think so. You get paid if you're just in it for two weeks. You get paid forty dollars a day from the mm. um, Victorian jury, whatever, the, um, the government, uh, and then your workplace, if you're full-time or part-time, um, have to pay, if you were supposed to be working those days, uh, the difference between what you would get paid that day, minus mm. $40. Um, if you're in it for longer than two weeks, then it's $80 per day that you get from the courts. Mm. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so a friend of mine, yeah, she did it uh, last year and she loved it. She was so excited. I th- I'm not sure what the case was about. Probably can't discuss it anyway. Um, and But, yeah, no, she, she loved it. My sister-in-law was asked to do it, but she was working for a law firm at the time, so she was excluded, so mm. she didn't have to do it. Um, but I've, yeah, I've straight away, as soon as I got it, I jumped online. And they're like, you have this long to complete this. I was just like, I did it within five minutes. Maybe like, being too keen is a red flag. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. I was reading... Because uh, Liz Lemon turns up in 30 Rock, she turned up as Princess Leia to get out of it. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe you, maybe your angle is just, I cannot wait. Yes. Whenever the lawyer gets up, yes, <laughs> I object. <laughs> I know, my uh, yeah, might play um, not in my favour by, by being so keen and watching over 20 seasons worth of Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And true crime podcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm actually going to get selected on the thing. Fingers when crossed. When is your audition or whatever your callback? Um, well, I mean, and I'm allowed to give these details, I guess. Oh, I mean, just broadly. Oh, in the next few months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Someone texted in. They also got the letter about jury service last well, week. There's more than one trial. Oh, but they got it. Last <laughs> week. They, they got they, the yeah. letter. Oh, oh, yeah, so we the... could be on the same <laughs> trial. We could be BFFs. Because there is a, there is a backlog of cases, as we know. Yes, that's right. Because mm. of COVID. So maybe the whole state will be in jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We're driving the trains. <laughs> uh, I and and so what excites you about it? Um, meeting new people. <laughs> no, but just seeing what the trial is about. Like if it's like I said, I have watched a lot of crime shows and everything, so I do get interested in in that. Is I jury know. brunch a thing? I mean, is there reun- jury reunions? Like, are hey, you allowed to? Yeah. yeah. I remember that time. Yeah, you catch up. Yeah. Table for 12, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. It's Smith versus Johnson. <laughs> oh, God, this sounds... I 
really hope I never get caught for jury duty. Really? Yeah. What? Like having to take time off your job, having to keep secrets, spending it with a you know ragtag assembly of strangers mm. and I mean, pressure as well. I mean, I uh, assume that I will give live commentary on the breakfasts. Ah, uh, good. The- <laughs> Prejudice. That's what we want. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you worried about your role? What do you think your role will be? Hypothetically, of the twelve. Of the twelve. Um, or do people fit into roles? Like, if there's a if there's a leadership vacuum, does someone step up? Is there? I'd be interested. I'm really interested to see no the hierarchy. That's the whole point. Sure, but it is. But there'll always be someone trying to be an alpha or yeah, something exactly. like that, trying to dominate the conversation. That certainly won't be me. Mm-hmm. I'll be sitting back and I will be taking notes for my next comedy festival. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the case is yet? No, I have no idea about anything. Yeah, okay. I literally got the letter twenty minutes ago. <laughs> wow, not long. Yeah, so last week, um, I was reading up on some articles and just excuses that people give mm-hmm. to not be on uh, on the jury. So some um, valid reasons you can give her. Obviously, um, medical and distance from the county court. Um, if you're self-employed as well, so you can't go away from that. Um, but some excuses that I read uh, from the New York Post that uh, put an article out was a lady said that she had a weak bladder uh, and they questioned her and then in the end she was just going to be too much trouble anyway, saying that she would stop the proceedings constantly by needing to go to the toilet. <laughs> and as ridiculous as some of the, um, some of the excuses are, in the end they're just like, well, if you're going to these lengths to make these excuses, we don't want you. We don't want you. Yeah. And how can you pr- – you don't want to, wait, leave it to be proven? Yeah, Well, yeah. we'll get you in and we'll see how many times you stop. And then, yeah. You know. Why would anyone want to get out of it necessarily? It's like – because it's bored. You don't know how long the trial will go for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently lots of people want to try to get out of it. And the main thing is just uh, work. Yeah. Don't want you want to miss work. Yeah. It might disrupt you. And, and, and if you're a casual employee and it does – Interrupted too much, then they're valid reasons that you don't. Oh, that's true. Because they they can strike you out just as you're walking to the dock or whatever. Can they? Yeah, I think um, each side gets some opportunities. Like if they don't like Bobby's stride, Mm. that's an untrustworthy gate. (laughs) You're (laughs) out. I I auditioned for Australian Idol years ago, and I remember them saying, uh, "Good strong voice, but not the strength we're after." See you later. (gasps) Devastated. So I am. Fingers crossed. Not the strength we're after. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to be treating this the same going in there. And, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to wear. I'm very excited, though. <laughs> I, can I, I'll predict that you'll wear a jump. Is it a jumpsuit? Oh, yes, I do love a jumpsuit. Okay. Mm. Mm. I would want a jumpsuit wear on my jury. Oh, I think you, you can wear one as well. <laughs> no, well, I, no, I can wear one. <laughs> That's, I'd be under arrest for crimes against fashion. <laughs> Good luck, Bobby. Mm, thank you. Triple R. The one and only Fee Rides here to talk books on break. I say the one and only, there are more, but the, you're the only <laughs> you if we know you. Uh, we're talking books. Good to see you. Good to see everyone. Gosh, I am. I don't think I'm ever going to get over how excited I am to be in the studio <laughs> with people. I'm sure the novelty might have worn off for you. Three. No, no, it has not in a million years. No. I, we're right with you. It's yeah. so it's so it's so joyful. I yeah. hope it comes across in the radio when people come in. And they're like, it's just so exciting. I hope so. Mm. Uh, what am I holding? You are holding mm. um, doing politics. Writing on Public Life by Judith Brett, out by Text Publishing. And I picked that today because I'm not sure if you've all heard or not, uh, but there's an election Wait, what? coming up. Mm. I thought that last interview was complete satire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah there, was, there was no connection with anything that's happening in the uh, external world at all. No, um, when I think of political writing and Australian political writing, there's a lot of people that come to mind. Uh, but one of the people I think of a lot is Judith Brett, mainly because when I was doing my undergraduate degree, I was very intimidated by her and hid from her a lot in the various ho- uh, halls of La Trobe University. <laughs> uh, but she's she's um, a, a really amazing or interesting, I should say, uh, critic. She's had a long and storied career in both a public life sense and an academic sense in Australia. Um, she was the editor of Mianjin um, for a period of time. She regularly writes for the monthly and the um, the Saturday paper. Um, and she's been writing about Australian politics and I guess academic culture 
or Australian culture since the 80s. And I feel that her writing is really deeply skilled because of that. Um, this is actually the first book of hers I've read. She had a book um, a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember the name now. It was um, The Democracy Sausage or something like yeah, that. Yeah, From Secret Ballot to from, Democracies. Yeah, From Secret <laughs> Ballot to Democracy Sausage. And that was a, a title that I think was uh, really doing the rounds. I never actually got around to that. But after having read this book, it's definitely jumped up my list. I would have to say as well, it's just uh, really diverse content. So to give you a bit of an idea, when you're talking about essay, it's really hard to give a full kind of breadth of what's covered in a book. So it's an updated collection of um, some of her works throughout history. So I would say from the 80s onwards. So some of them are slightly edited and abridged or updated for a modern audience, uh, but they mostly seem to be untouched and left to how they were when they were originally printed. So she's organised her essays to have a, a real flow and structure, um, but I think that you can really dip in and out of them. So there's there's um, two sections called Prime Ministers, which is divided into one and two, uh, one being older um, Prime Ministers such as you know, Deakin or Menzies, and then the more modern from um, the 2000s onwards. Um, ordinary people's politics, issues, writing and psychoanalysis because she also studied psychoanalysis in her undergrad, I believe, as well. So each one of these sections contains work from throughout her published career and I found it incredibly accessible because I was reading it during my recovery from COVID mm. and I was so worried that I would not be able to make heads or tails of it. It was a real mm. risk when I said said I'd review it. <laughs> That's a good metric, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. understand it even with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I'd have to, I'd read one and I'd have a little nap to like process it, yeah. but you know, kept going on. Um, you know, I found myself reflecting back a lot as I was reading the pieces, particularly around things like, I don't know, John Howard's era or, or that kind of time. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm. And it's like, I felt like um, over the last couple of years, we've had this kind of collective um, clean slating of our collective memory of politics. And it's so easy to go, oh, yes, I can remember when the children overboard scandal happened, for example. But can you remember the specifics of that? Can you remember how that unfolded? And rereading these sorts of essays, um, particularly before going into the voting booth, I think is really, really interesting mm. to just kind of tap back into that energy because we're so surrounded by, um, we're talking about Twitter um, earlier with Elon Musk, we're so surrounded by how people will just dip in and out of information and we're surrounded by news constantly. But when do we actually get time to digest that news mm. and when do we get that reflection time? And I found this book wonderful because Judith Brett is so clear and crisp in her writing, but she also has a deeply reflective quality to it. Um, it's really calm. It's really measured. Um you know, she's just really well-researched. You know, I haven't really learned a lot about Deacon or Menzies in the past, but through that book I learnt that um, in Australia's history, um, Deacon was actually leading a hung parliament and he achieved so much with a hung parliament. You know, these sorts of things are things that we think that hung parliaments are new in Australia, but they're actually something that date back throughout the, you know, entirety of the political history of yeah. the government so it's really fascinating to have those kinds of reminders to say what we think is actually new is actually quite um old can i jump in on that vein as well just Do on it. in terms of you, you mentioned sort of scanning headlines and twitter mm. when, when people say i woke up, wake up and scan the headlines that often the journalists who write the stories that give rise to the headlines don't even agree with the headline. characterization of the headline mm. Mm. so how informed are you and that's why books like this are so valuable um, and it also really goes into, so not just from a political perspective, I'd have to say my favourite section is actually her writing on writing. I love it when authors will write about the art of writing. And two essays in particular um, were really focused on academia. So 
I um, was never actually I, I was never actually an academic. I find the culture of universities interesting or elitist, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved how Brett wrote about them. So one piece is from 1991, and it discusses the bureauc- I can never say this word, so here we go bureaucratization of academia and how there were fewer academics commenting publicly on events in the public space. Um, I would say that Triple R is really a standout to where that that rule doesn't apply. Um, But, you know, chances are if you've watched The Drum for a month, you've probably seen every single academic that will be commenting on something publicly, you know. And that piece was from 1991 and it is still exceptionally relevant now and she just details the problems with the academic world and how people are not rewarded for participating in public discourse and and that area of civil life and how important to a democracy that area of civil life is and then she kind of pairs it with this other piece called um Binfire of the Humanities, <laughs> which I just, I really just, I was just tickled by that, so I just had to repeat it, um, which discusses the problems of the casualization of the um, academic institutions and how that is preventing our students from achieving deeper understanding and learning. And that piece was published last year, and I loved how they kind of worked together, they bounced off each other, and they really showed that Brett has, she's got this really long-term reflection on where change is needed. And it was it's just really, really wonderful and accessible writing. This is definitely something that I feel like I'm going to go back to um, at other election campaigns. I feel like it's got this longevity to the writing. Um, but additionally, it's something that I would consider recommending to, I don't know, um, teenagers that are wanting to mm. get more of a they, – they, they're trying to become more engaged in, in public discourse. You know, if I had a – if I was 15 when that book came out, I can guarantee you my mum would have bought that for my little nerdy self. Like mm. that is... So it's accessible enough, you think? Yeah, absolutely. Teens, yeah. yeah, it has... I mean, you know, you, you're probably not going to read every essay. Like I don't know many 15-year-olds interested in Alfred Deacon, but I know a lot of them interested in university life mm. and how can they deepen their education if they're going to spend so much money on it. Do you get a feeling about uh, whether it all matters like when you read something it's like oh I remember that does it feel like news creates culture which creates history or does it feel like it just gets swept away and the caravan moves on I feel like my desire after having read that book is to kind of drop anchor a bit more and not let myself get swept on Mm. and I feel like that's what Judith Brett is also arguing as well to not let yourself get swept on and to to still pause and reflect on on writing and events as they occur yeah which is really quite powerful it was um yeah really really accessible book all right Mm. well next time you see her do we not get intimidated and say hello maybe (laughs) (laughs) um and it's worth mentioning how this this book is we have I have some comments about how Intensely annotated, this copy ah, is that I have. It's like David Foster Wallace. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, okay, Doing Politics, Writing on Public Life. It's by Judith Brett and it goes back how far? Like, um, Yeah, the 80s. Yeah. yeah, but like the events themselves, you know, Alfred Deacon, I can't even remember when he was Prime Minister now, but he was, I don't know, 20s. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right, Earlier. so out, out yeah. via text. Uh, Fee Wright, thanks so much. Thank you. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Took my little puppy Winnie in for a, a groom yesterday, so she's nine months old. One of the reasons we got uh, a mini poodle, other than them being absolutely gorgeous, uh, was that they don't shed, mm-hmm. so you just have to get them groomed uh, every six to eight weeks, they say. Uh, so she's had a couple of grooms, and every now and then you just get a touch-up where they might do the face and, and the butt and the claws or what it pours. <laughs> um, but this time, um, she's she's. Like she's got a lot of curls, and she was she was probably a little bit overdue to get a groom. We had her um, took her out for a walk, and as we were coming up the elevator, one of the neighbours said, "Oh, what a cutie! She's uh, she's fed well, isn't she?" Right? Um. Like, well, she's a dog. She's a little puppy, and there's a lot of curls. There's a lot of fur there, right? And she's actually really tiny but she just had quite a lot of curls uh anyway went in there and with um poodles i don't know if this is the same with your dog Mm. i doubt it is if you haven't got the curls but you just have to constantly brush the curls out because there's lots of mats and knots oh no yeah so that's a uh, that's another thing you have to do with poodles Um, does when you like it yeah, it sounds kind of nice. Uh, mm, absolutely not. You want to brush me? Oh, brush really? Doesn't? No, God, no, 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 no. Because there are knots there, so you have to. We have to 
try to um, like put a treat in front of her and get her to watch it and just stare at it while she's getting her hair pulled oh, yeah. and yanked and everything. Oh, okay. But we try and be as right. polite as possible. With Apparently her. Scott Morrison does that when he's washing people's hair. Where's <laughs> <laughs> a hot dog in front of him. <laughs> just stare just at this. Wait, wait. <laughs> Uh, so we've been, yeah, we've been brushing and everything in, and when you have a, a harness on, there's just some really problem areas and stuff. Anyway, so we got there, and uh, and the groomers said, oh, there's a few mats. And like, told us about brushing and try to sell us a comb. It's like we've got two combs and three brushes. We've got many. We <laughs> try to get it done. Anyway, said so that there's a few uh, mats in there, so we might have to um, some of those bits we won't be able to brush out. We're just going to have to shave. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, that's fine. And she's like, if you could just sign this document. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And the document was just to make sure, like, when if they do shave that you might get a nick or a clip or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I understand that that happens and stuff. Um, Anyway, so we asked for this teddy bear cut, which is cute. It's adorable. So you you give them a trim, but they've still got... pick a style. Yes. Wow. I know. I had no idea about any of this stuff before. Yeah. Learned a lot. Anyway, but they're still adorable. you got the curls. And she said, now there's a few things that we have to get out. So she may not be, might be a little bit shorter, but we'll keep her as cute as we can. I was like, no worries. So I got a message two hours later to come and pick her up. Completely shaved. <laughs> Everything except for the, the end of the towel. Well, there's a pom pom. Oh, I got a bald dog. <laughs> bald pom-pom. dog and a puff on her head. So it looks like a poodle cut. Oh um, no! I know. We just. I know she's a poodle, but I just really didn't want a poodle cut. But at the same time, she's um she had a lot of mats and everything. So it's a fresh start for her. We're trying to be positive, but I tell you, the shock <laughs> when I came in and they brought my dog out. I was just like, mm. holy. No. Shit. What have you done <laughs> to my baby? Who is this and where is my dog? Oh. <laughs> but she's still got beautiful eyes, which is great. But I, I really wanted to walk past that neighbour like, huh, fed well? Yeah. Check out this little runt. Yeah. She's tiny. Yeah, exactly. This skinny, bald dog I've got. <laughs> you happy? <laughs> Did I apologise or? No, they went on to scare me about maintenance for the dog and uh, no, like it, I understood that we obviously we, we brushed the dog uh Two or three times a week has to be done every day. I'm like, okay, and they're like, to avoid this happening again, you need to brush more. I say, like, okay, and like, they gave me a detangler and this, that, and whatever. And because they shaved her ears as well, like, and normally oh. there's a lot of ear. So they, I bought this headband because dogs do this thing where they shake, uh, and because she hasn't got hair on her ears, she could damage her ears just on her skin and stuff. So she, not only is she bald, she's got a headband. <laughs> She is the weirdest looking thing, but I still love her. And it's going to take about a month for her curls. To Did she go. know that she'd gone through something? Oh, absolutely. Her everything, her whole demeanour changed. She, oh. So she, she was better towards the end of the day. Um, but like I'd taken her out for a walk. She hadn't had a nap, so she needed the nap as well. But I took her home. And then when, when Abby came home, she's like, all the lights were out. She was just, we were both sitting on the gas, miserable. Oh. <laughs> and normally she will come running. And so she came running up to Abby, normally jumps up and everything and just came running and then just sat down like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> look what they've done. Looking like Jane Fonda, I suppose. Yes. In an exercise video. Oh, you're the headband. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but she, she got more personality personality i think she was a little bit tired as the day went on i think it's just adjusting she stared at herself in the mirror for a little while mm. which you know obviously was traumatic for her can, can dogs what's the deal with with dogs and mirrors like can they do they recognize themselves i don't think so because she barks at herself all the time as though there's another pepper has no reaction so i often hold her up to the mirror and i'm like hey look it's yeah, you yeah. No, she gives me gives me nothing. It doesn't bark either because she barks at everything. Yeah. Oh right. So I feel like she just can't see anyway. <laughs> yeah. No. Bless when, her. Whenever there's we hear Winnie barking in the house, she's found a mirror and she's found herself. Yeah. It's like, <gasps> what are you doing in my house? I am the only dog in this house. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> so what if you asked for that? Uh, oh, so that's a poodle. Is that a poodle cut? So you asked oh. for teddy bear. What did you get? <laughs> oh, well, we we pretty much just got shaved, but they kept a couple of poodle bits. So they kept the the fluffy bit at the end so of the she's towel, got like which a, looks ridiculous, like a perm, mm, like and a, a, and a buffy. Yeah, thing what good is that? Really? I, I mean, know. is that like a comb over a bit? <laughs> like, who are you kidding? It's like, hey, you wanted curls? We've kept a couple for you. Oh, you should have yeah, just taken yeah. it all off. <laughs> uh, and the curls are uh, on. Do you send a head as well? Yeah, she's just got a like a buff head. That's at what the I moment. meant, like a, like a perm, a like a human buffant. Perm. Yeah, like mm. March. <laughs> yes, yes. You should die. It's kind of just lean in. It's a disaster <laughs> <Yes>. anyway. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, so she will no. It is better for her. So she will like we have been brushing out mats and stuff. So it will be better for her in the long run. I get why. I have seen other dogs come out of groomers like, oh God, why'd you do that for? But I get. Sometimes I need a fresh Yeah, start. and so you don't have so you have to brush now because there's no hair. <laughs> Not at the moment, but yeah. Soon enough. Yeah, in the next and three it's, or four did, weeks. When, whose job will that be? Oh, we, we take turns. Oh, well, I feed the treats or just try to get her attention and do some training whilst Abby brushes. But we'll take turns and we, yeah. we, we both kind and of do And you do it. that inside or outside? Inside. She's an inside dog. We do most of it inside. Um, but this is – and we were very adamant that we wanted uh, a mini poodle, just specifically a dog that didn't shed. Mm. And But I tell you, the work – because yeah. normally the dog would look after themselves and, mm. and the hair would fall out. And mm. So you don't have to worry about any of the grooming stuff. Uh, when you're a human, th- at the end of a haircut, they put up the thing and they say, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. do they do that? And did you give a response? My res- No, I, I didn't. I was in shock. I I came in and then they kind of just were talking at me as to why. It, it was like excuses. Like a, preemptive excuses. Absolutely. Dog and, and oh, was like, yeah. Dog had dreadlocks. Like, oh, um, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I apologise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. I think it'd be, dog grooming would be a fun uh, racket because the no one, your client can't speak yes. and so they can't complain to you. Mm. Obviously the owner can. Yeah, but the owner, like, you know better. As it, you know, that's, that, that's right. You've yeah. got that aura of expertise. Yeah, like I gave your dog an afro because you didn't take care of it. <laughs> Now go home and play Homer and Marge. Triple R. Indira Naidu is an award-winning journalist of over three decades, hosting SBS TV's World News, writing for a variety of publications, and currently helming Weekend Nightlife on ABC Radio. Uh, author of The Edible Balcony and The Edible City, her new book is The Space Between the Stars on Love, Loss, and the Magical Power of Nature to Heal. And to tell us about it, the broadcaster joins us now. Indira, welcome to Breakfasters. Hello, guys. Great to be with you. Same here. Uh, Now, you write in the book, you tell someone as you're writing the book that I'm writing a book about the healing power of nature. But is that somewhat of a euphemism? (laughs) I have to admit, when I started the book, I wasn't convinced that nature could heal such a huge loss. My sister took her life in uh, Melbourne's first lockdown about two years ago now. And I obviously, as being a gardener, I love being in nature. I've seen the power of plants to lift your spirits. But I really didn't think that immersing myself in nature was going to uh, at all take away the pain of, of such a big loss in my life. So it was almost an experiment, I guess, this book. It was willing myself uh, to get well and, and to help, you know, see that that nature could lead me there. And it 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 actually uh, did. I discovered this amazing tree, a 150-year-old Morton Bay fig that's here in the Sydney Botanic Gardens. And one day I just ended up sitting underneath it and feeling its radiance and then this calm descended on me. And every morning I would take my ISO walk during the lockdowns and spend some time with the tree. And one by one, it opened my eyes to all the other bits of urban nature I had just ignored in the past. Fallen feathers and lovely leaves and ants and the puddles. And one by one, Each one of them showed me that, yes, there is loss in life and there is grief, but there is hope and there's renewal and, you know, the end and the loss doesn't have to be this tear in your universe. So I I found the connection through this tree and nature incredibly comforting and healing for me. Mm. And the the urban spirit guides, as you call them, how how did you enlist them and what did they make of your project? (laughs) Um, well, this was the other amazing thing. We were all in lockdown, so I couldn't physically see a lot of them. So I was randomly calling them up or emailing them saying, uh, can you come hang out with me in the tree and share <laughs> you know, your knowledge about birds or feathers? And I don't know, I think partly, you know, as you guys know, being broadcasters, you do get away with things sometimes. And they went, all right, she can't be a complete lunatic because she hosts a radio show. So (laughs) we'll go hang out with her uh, 
with her under the tree. And we'd do a walk to the tree. It's about two or three kilometres from my house. And while we would walk, they would explain what they saw in ants and what was special about ants to them and why they were cherished creatures and why, you know, most ants, for instance, only live seven to eight days. And there I was feeling robbed that I only had 48 years with my sister and didn't have this chance of growing old with her and watching our children grow old with us. And so being reminded that ants only have seven or eight days. Uh, wow, I've I've got a much longer, better life than an ant does. And, that, and they can make their life count, you know, mm. and they can pick up all this debris and help decompose leaves. And they live these very um, deep lives full of a lot of gratitude. They're just busy doing their stuff. And so all these nature guides gave me an insight into their world, the joy that comes from their world. I went kite flying with a kite flyer, which was so much fun. I hadn't done that since I was 10 years old. I went puddle jumping with my granddaughter, again, something I had never done um, since I was a little kid. And each one of those nature activities and immersing myself deeply started to bring back the joy, the joy that we often find we lose when we're anxious, when we have uh, lost someone in our lives. And yeah, that they were these beautiful guides that showed me, you know, the way out of my grief. You shared some beautiful stories about Stargirl and growing up when you were in Tasmania. One of the stories I liked, and if you could just share a little bit with us, uh, was when you went to watch the West Indies play uh, and Stargirl, I guess, experienced what could have been a racist situation, but she turned it into a positive. <laughs> can you Can you share that with us? Yeah, so throughout the book, I call my sister Monica Stargirl because she was the star in our lives. And this particular day, we were mad, mad cricket fans. And this uh, day, the West Indies cricket team had come to Launceston, which didn't often happen then because it was such a big international star-powered team. And we went on our own without our parents. We packed our picnic basket with our thermos and we had our little tickets for, for the members area where we were sitting. And when we made our way up there, we were so obsessed with our transistor and our auto graph books and things we didn't really notice that we were only the the only dark-skinned people in the whole member stand everyone else was anglo and so when we my sister uh, monica a star girl went down to the boundary fence to try to get an autograph of one of the fielders and uh, it was pretty difficult because there were so many other kids trying to get autographs and and one by one the kids started looking at her and going you know who are you what are you doing because you're a dark-skinned girl are you related to the west indy players is that why you're here and she sort of told the little fib and said, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, I'm related. And they said, well, how? And she said, well, Vivian Richards, who was the biggest star on the team, Vivian Richards is my dad. And without realising what she had said, the kids then said, if you're Vivian Richards' daughter, can we have your autograph? And so she made up an autograph on the spot. She was only about six years old and started writing Monica Richards in all their autograph books. And, of course, I discovered it eventually because I saw the throng of kids around her and I raced down and I yanked her away and I said, I can't believe you're doing that. That is so naughty. And then later on when I'm writing this chapter, I sort of – think about that incident and think maybe it wasn't so naughty because she made those kids days and you know she turned something on 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 its head really because it's not often that just because you've got dark skin that anyone thinks you're special in Australia so she just made the most of it yeah she was she was very daring that way um you broadcast nationally at a you know at a time when state and national borders were closed and this terrible event occurred during this terrible period. Can you take the temperature of the country or state by state and how do you think your Victorian or Melbourne listeners responded to this chapter? It was such a difficult time for Melbourne and Victoria. I mean, uh, it was the most incarcerated part of the world, you know, in and out for for two years. It was a really horrific time. And because I hosted a national ABC radio show, uh, my listeners were in all different states of lockdown. So Melbourne was really extreme and they were highly anxious. They were separated from their family. They couldn't see their grandchildren. It was a terrible time. They, sometimes they couldn't even go out to exercise. And then the extreme in my audience was Perth, where <laughs> every day there was no lockdowns. They were off surfing, seeing everyone living a, a pretty um, free, COVID-free life. And then other parts of the country and, and regional areas were in different states. So I did find uh, the challenge was 
talking to a national audience and they're all in different states of distress and anxiety and loss, but still reminding us that we were still a nation. And despite some of our state governments deciding to close borders and lift borders and things like that, we were still all Australians. We were, we were still all together in this. And even though we were in different parts of the country, there were other members of the family that couldn't see members of the family in other parts of the country. So there were still deep connections. But I definitely feel that the bruising effects of the lockdown was felt, uh, you know, and carried the burden hugest and most mostly by um, Melbourne and Victorians. And I think that grief and that loss is still there, even though now most of those restrictions have been lifted. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done. And, and part of the reason I wanted to write this book, The Space Between the Stars, is to give people permission to express their grief. We don't do that very well in our society and culture. People want to talk about their loss and their grief and share what's going on. And I think by sharing my story, that's allowing other people to share their story. I'm hearing hundreds of grief stories uh, since my book came out three weeks ago. And I think it can only help us um, get better, get well, and, and you know, and also realise grief is universal. You know, we all go through loss. If you've ever loved, you will have experienced loss. So grief is not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that you've loved. Mm. Do you think you are a significantly different person pre mm -hmm. this incident and lockdowns as you are now? Gosh, significantly different. Um, look, I, I think all of us have changed and I'm very much someone who thinks everything that happens to you, you decide whether or not you make it, allow it to make you bitter or you allow it to make you better. And even though we went through lots of losses and anxieties and um not being able to see family and friends. And then I went through this very big personal loss. I think there's still a lot of meaning we can take from this. And I think I've stepped back into my life, I hope so, with a lot more gratitude for everything that I have. Now when I can get on a plane, now when I can catch up with a friend for a meal, I still treasure it. I still sit there and think this may be the last time for a while. I don't know if we'll go into any sort of situation where we can't do this again. So I'm, I'm treasuring it more. I'm, I, I, I do think I'm living with more gratitude. Mm. And how's your Morton Bay fig coming along? <laughs> it is very, very happy. It has had so many visitors from new fans who have met it through my book and I was there taking a walk uh, to it the other day and a few flowers had been left under the branches, not only for my sister Stargirl but for a lot of other people who have, have lost loved ones in the last few years and that was really beautiful to see that my tree is now becoming other people's tree as well. Wow, what a tribute. Um, the Space Between the Stars is the name of the book on love, loss and the magical power of nature to heal. It's out via Murdoch Books and we've been fortunate to speak with author Indira and I do. Thanks so much, Indira. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. Thanks, guys. Triple R. A few years ago, I was at my parents' place, uh, went with a couple of friends. We were just doing some filming uh, in the lounge room and we got there, we set everything up and my friend who was uh, had the camera, uh, she set it all up and then she looked at me and she goes, oh, should we uh, wait for that beeping to stop? I said, oh, what beeping? And she said, that beeping noise that's in the background really loudly. I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, stop, listen. And I listened and there was, there was this beeping noise. Um, I was like, oh, I think that might be a like a smoke alarm. And I said to dad, I was like, is... Can we, can we stop that noise? And Dad said, oh, it's faulty. There's a new battery in there, but it's okay. But that beeping, oh, we just ignore it. <gasps> I'm like, and my friend just said, she's like, you, ig you ignore that? And I said, to be honest with you, living with my parents, I, I, that has always been there. And it's just been a noise that we got used to, so we just didn't notice it anymore. Uh, and two of my friends, my friend that was filming, she's just like on, how can you live with that noise in the house? How can you sleep? My other friends just like thought it was ridiculous as well. I'm not sure if you remember Daniel yesterday morning. <laughs> I was getting, so Daniel and I were in the studios and I was moving a cord and I was moving it over to your side of the desk, mm -hmm. Mon, and I accidentally knocked the phone. Mm -hmm. And so it was making this really loud dial tone noise and I just heard it, but I didn't think anything of it. And I think it went for a minute and Daniel's gone, 
am I going crazy? What is that noise? And I said, I go, oh, I just think it's part of the song. He's like, really? And then I had a look up. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. The phone's off the hook. And it was really loud. It was just it was super this, loud. It was so it's loud. It through the speakers. It was, it was so loud. But for some I'm horrible. And, and Abby says it as well. Like, she will come home and she'll just look at me. I'm just like, hey. She's like, you want me to get the... The fridge door. I'm oh, like, no. Oh. Oh, I, I, like I can hear it, but I just don't do anything about it. I don't know that I, I – it just – it's like white noise to me and for some reason. But it's everyone in my family. Like we must have just grown up with so many noises mm. and no one did anything. It's not, not hearing. Like, hearing in general is fine. Hearing in general is fine. Mm. But then when there's – and even like listening to the radio, if something happens on a radio and it makes a noise or if there's a terrible song on, I can hear it, but it's like I, my body doesn't know what to do about it. And Abby will change the station or do something. Mm. And I'm like, oh, and I will feel relief. Mm-hmm. But I just don't have the instinct or, I don't know, the awareness. What is that? There must be a spectrum of, let's call it a dissonance threshold. Uh, where, yeah, I'm, Tell us more, doctor. <laughs> I'm similar where my tolerance is quite high yeah. for dissonance. Oh, okay. But then those around me get upset. and Like, for instance, they might want to change a song or whatever. Mm earlier than I want to. Yeah. Because I want to persevere. Yeah. Yeah, it's about being tough. <laughs> Tell me that out. Like the dial tone track. <laughs> uh, I was so a, adamant it was a song. Is it a free it's not a frequency thing. So you know, it's hearing higher higher frequencies is harder for some people. Like, I, like, no, I, like like the noise is there. I, it's just I, I'm and like when I go to sleep, like when I sleep as well, Abby is very sensitive to noise. She's like, "How can you sleep?" But I'm just y- like, "I'm tired." Yeah, and the smoke <laughs> alarm. If your friend would, was thinking, "What sort of household is this?" Absolutely, <laughs> she just she like she what, judged us. What sort of low standards are these bunch of bogans <laughs> tolerating? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And was it fixed then and there or not? No. Oh. No. So we couldn't we couldn't record. She said we tried, and then like when we listened back, she's like. This is not going to work. Like, and yeah. we released, and I was like, "God, that is really loud." But that has that was mm. just because there's I, a beeping going on at the moment that happens here all the time. Can is you hear it? it the dishwasher? Oh yeah, right. And it's whenever someone, anyone listening, <laughs> leaves it, leaves it. Uh, if the cycle is like finished, oh, and it's, yes. the doors open. Oh yeah, yeah. Our, our dishwasher. There must be also too, so the uh, <laughs> distance or time, the intervals between beeps. Must be like th- there'd be a sweet spot where it's like beep. Oh, I'll, I'll fix that if it gets on my nerves and it doesn't get on your nerves. And then beep is like, eh. but if you put the intervals just close together yeah. enough, you it's get up. Yeah, yeah. It's all about um, the dissonance threshold. Mm, that's right. I forgot about your theory, the Daniel Burt theory of the dissonance. I think uh, I, yeah, I think I notice things like that. Will is very. Gets very annoyed, you know, easily about noises like. Oh, so he the, notices um, them too. Yeah, yeah, and when the when the um, but I kind of notice them. And I'm like, it's fine. Beeping, I can't put up with. Mm-hmm. He gets particularly annoyed if like the blind is banging against a window or something like that. You know, oh, if you leave yeah. a cur- or a cur- you know, that's annoying. And there's that. I'll notice that. But generally, yes. I think. A, yeah, I grew up in a very noise-sensitive family, so we would okay. always. And I, I don't understand people who don't always mute the ads. So as soon as the ad break comes on on TV, press mute. Oh, really? Okay. Which is just how – and that's what I still do and have always done. And I remember it was bad <laughs> banners for me as a child, not realising, but I remember going to my best friend's house um, and watching TV and I just <gasps> – I was like eight and took the remote and pressed mute during the ads. And she was like <laughs> – What are you doing? What are you doing? Like with her family? Like I just took <laughs> – just took control. This child. Yeah, yeah I know. So really? Rude. Because there yeah. was an era where they the ads were too loud and then the, I think not the ACCC or some authority. Well, they used oh, to really? be louder. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but right. then they, I think they, they compress the audio to make it seem loud but it doesn't register on the decibels. Oh, so interesting. They've found a workaround. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Little mon. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard an ad in 30 years. Amazing. <laughs> my brother's, like, my older brother's got four kids and I reckon they've got whatever this is because like you walk into the house and it is so loud oh. and it's the pitch of some of these kids and they'll just be having a conversation mm. with you i'm like i'm sorry i cannot continue this conversation oh. 
kids, can you please just keep your voice down just a little bit? But to yeah. them, it's, it's it's absolutely white noise. Yeah. I guess they're living with it 24-7. Yeah, is it a parent thing? I have friends with, with mm. kids who sometimes I'm just like, so, sorry, are you expecting me to continue <laughs> talking? Like, right. I, can't, yeah. I cannot block that out. <laughs> But they're hearing it all day, every day. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The the blind smacking is interesting. It's, I think it occurs also in a joint with ceiling fans. Yeah. So oh, you got yes. the air circulating, the blind will go tap, tap, yeah. tap, and you know, and that's inc- you know, it's irregular beats. I think that's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah there's no, you can't. There's no. At least with a beeping that's for an alarm, true. it's at set set intervals. Yeah. But often I fix these things. Not for my own benefit because I know it's just going to piss everyone else off. Oh, right. Oh, like I'll, I'll push the blind against the wall mm. even though it actually helps me sleep to be interrupted <laughs> because my dissonance mm. threshold is so high. <laughs> Melbourne's own Triple R. Our COVID negative Friday funny bugger is here. Morning, Nat Harris. Good morning. Thank you for Welcome clarifying back. that. COVID negative, indeed. Um, how are you after all of the festival? And your, well, how's your last month been? It's it's been good. It's been a bit of a roller coaster of a month. Mm. Yeah. So it was obviously the festival, and you would have heard like so many shows got cancelled. Mm. So I did. I had um, a bunch of. Sh- oh, I got COVID in the middle. COVID negative though, um, yeah. So just kind of bouncing back from that, mm. really. I was. I feel lucky that in the fact that I got to reschedule shows. Yeah. So it would have sucked going down in the final week, like a lot oh, of people yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, so I've taken all of this week off. Like I've only worked one day. Nice. And I have just been like, I've just. Yeah, just the energy, struggling to bounce back and just fighting, like, how cruel we are. Like, the mind is so cruel of just, like, just finish the comedy festival, heaps of shows covering from COVID and just fighting that mental urge to be like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing next? What's going on? Mm. Don't be What's going to be happening? Yeah, come on. When the shows were cancelled, do you feel like you were letting anyone down? Or is it like, this is life, everyone anticipates it, doesn't matter? Uh, yeah, um... I mean, no, I, do, I don't think I was letting anyone down. No, obviously you weren't. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, there's a stage, there's, I don't know, a tech, uh, people are relying on you perhaps. Yeah, sure. No, not too much. No, I was Good. just like, no, nah, people are probably relieved. I'm a bit relieved. <laughs> I'm like, people have brought it out. I'm like, oh, we'll go support her. And they're like, oh, great, I've got a night free. I can go for dinner. And if anything, I just felt relief for a lot of other people. <laughs> And maybe myself. Yeah, good. But you, you just kind of mentally prepare for a month of shows, so mm. it's more just like, oh, mm. you feel weak like you're copping out or whatever. It's hard as well as a close contact, at least initially, where you feel fine but you can't you can't do it. Yeah. That, housebound. Yeah, I was originally just a close contact and then I was kind of relieved when I actually tested positive. Yeah, yeah. But my poor housemate, I live in a house with two other girls and – Two of us were positive and one wasn't. Oh, so that, no. that would have sucked for her. <laughs> what about uh, Anthony Albanese coming out today? Yes. Are you like, oh, how's he going to go? Like, I, I, you're like, I would struggle if I was in his position. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It must be. I mean, but who knows? Some people just bounce back, don't they? They yeah, do. I guess. Yeah. So fingers crossed for Elbow. I mean, yeah, he's been exactly. campaigning hard, him and his dog. <laughs> How do they? Nice. Uh, lol. Is his dog do- called Toto? I can't remember. Sorry. I regret bringing it up. The name of his dog doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. I was just about to go down a rabbit hole as well. I was about yeah. to say, I like Albanese. But then I'm like, what are you? Don't talk politics on radio, Nelly. You don't know what you're Friday, talking about. Funny bugger. Funny bugger. But speaking of dogs, mm. this is what I want to chitter chatter on today. Um, who's got them? Yeah, so I got a little mini poodle, nine-month-old, Winnie. 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 Whoa, so this is fresh. Yes, very fresh. Mm. Never had a dog before this. Okay, so, yeah. great. What about you, Mon? I have an eight-year-old chihuahua with anxiety. Oh, <laughs> wow. I thought I did see something on your socials. Yeah, Peppo, isn't it? Yes, name? love it. Yeah, she's a handful. 
What about oh, you, no, Daniel? I had a, a tropical, like a Mexican fighting fish or oh, Simon. Like a it's dead. Dog. Oh, it's yeah. Done. But I've had I've had dogs, and I look forward to being in a position to having a dog. Yes. But at presently, I'm dogless. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, this is great. So this is so it's an ongoing fear of mine that I don't love dogs as much as everybody else. I feel like I've spoken about this mm. on air before. Just I. It's fine to hate cats, but you can't hate dogs. Yeah, and that's like I definitely don't hate them. It's just mm. more like this level of. Walking out in the streets with other people and everyone else's reactions yes. to dogs is always bigger than mine, mm. and they're always willing to spend longer with the dog than I am. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, when do we when do we pull the plug? Like, I've patted it, I've done it. You've had it. Well, good on you for actually stopping and patting. Is that because of peer group? Oh, no, like I genuinely like them. Okay. It's just this level of enthusiasm that mm. everyone seems to have mm. that I sometimes feel like I fall short. Anyway, and I, I I've spoken about this. Before before, but like I, I'm like, oh, I remember I had this moment. This was years ago and I still use it as like the yardstick of like I was more excited when I saw a man uh, on the street riding a bike with a broken leg <laughs> than oh, wow. a dog. Do yes. you know what I mean? I was like that was my equivalent. You went up and you patted, you patted him. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, good <laughs> I think if you really unpack it, it's really problematic. But it's like <laughs> – because it just got me reflecting about, yeah, I'm like, well, if dogs don't make me so happy as they seem to make everyone else, what does? Anyway, mm. it turns out a man riding a bike with a broken leg. <laughs> and now he lives in your yard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're married. <laughs> and that wasn't a good decision. Um, <laughs> really think it through if you're going to yeah. get married. Yeah, it's a, big, it's a big thing to do. What am I talking about? <laughs> I'm not married, but... <laughs> Anyway, okay, so this is it. This is the thing. And now I've this has happened on several occasions. Um, my local cafe, there's a guy obviously often walks his dog around the same time I go get a coffee. And he's not that friendly, whatever, but he just lets his dog... Here's my question, okay? Mm-hmm. Dog owners, mm-hmm. how long is, it, is like an acceptable amount of time or how long would mm-hmm. you let your dog... Like sniff at someone's feet oh, without no, like interacting with the, the person. person. Well, my dog is very, um, you know, when you, we got her when she was four, nearly five, and she had all these embedded problems that we have not been able to get rid of. Yep. So she barks at everyone and every okay. dog. And so I'm very, very conscious of like always pulling her away. And some people go, oh, no, no, she's cute. Man. Yeah. But I would never, ever let her, you know, jump up or. Anything like that? Yeah, yeah never. Especially if someone if someone stops and says, "Oh, what kind of dog is that?" or whatever, yeah. you chat. But if, no, don't. What are you just assume everyone has an allergy? I think. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the attitude <laughs> that I want to see more broadly across the dog owner community. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Bobby? Well, I wasn't a dog person beforehand, so when people's dogs were near me, I wouldn't even pat them. Like, yeah. I, just, I just didn't really like animals. Wow. Um, yeah, Love I it. know. But now I've completely changed. But so I'm aware if the dog, if our puppy goes to jump on anyone I will always pull her away unless you know someone Mm. loves it and pats her and people actually come up and say can I pat you pat your dog so that's fine but if not I assume that everyone was like I was and does not want my dog jumping on them or sniffing them so I'll always pull them away Mm. yes and what made you convert to like getting a dog and then a poodle I know. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm hosting a dog show now. <laughs> I don't know. I think, well, my wife, she was more into having a dog. And I, I don't know, I think a few friends had her or family uh, on her side, uh, my whole family, not animal people. Yeah. And I just warmed to them a little bit more. Her sister-in-law, that's sorry, her sister got a mini poodle and it was the cutest thing you'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and I remember seeing that dog and I was just like, oh, my God, this dog is adorable uh, yeah. so then kind of opened up to it but I tell you it changed my life I am so a dog person now really like, yeah and like at 40 I'm like oh, 40 years of missing out on this yeah. I mean there are some weird people that own animals but there are weird people everywhere that's true generally I found them to be really lovely and you just meet so many new people with an animal oh yeah. my god I love that that is like your review of a dog <laughs> like people are like yes. obsessed with them and you're like just yeah bro- like broadly speaking yeah I find them to be really lovely <laughs> Here we go. Five stars for Bobby. Who knew? Four years without to meet a dog. someone. So why aren't you patting this dog that's sniffing around your feet? Well, I mean, look, this is the 
thing. It's like I like it. Mate, what kind of dog? It's not a chihuahua, is it? Is no, it? it's more like it looks like a sausage dog, but it's not quite a sausage dog. Oh, yeah, it's just low to the ground. Yeah, it's low to the ground, which don't get me started on that. Like how cruel, <laughs> like what? A sausage dog. Um <laughs> I, I don't have an issue with the dog. It's more just that I've observed this one particular person. Mm. I shouldn't have named the dog, damn it. Um, <laughs> no, no, lots of people. I've observed this particular person and I, I don't know. It's like I'm just really intrigued. I'm like, what's going on? Are they like... So they just, they actually stop walking? Yeah, they'll do, it's like the dog is walking them and oh. whatever the dog wants to sniff, they can. And then it's just this kind of bizarre amount of time that it lingers, like way past, oh, hello, mm. to that. Are they trying to get to know you? Well, this is the thing. Is it That's a meet what I'm stuck on now. Like what is happening? Yeah. Not me particular. No, and I see them do it just generally. Oh, with everyone. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So I was kind of curious about what kind of people. I mean, some people are just completely fine with it, I Will guess. Will sometimes says, because we have a small, funny-looking dog, Yeah. he says, oh, when you walk her, and some people just have no reaction. What is wrong with those people? As in, like, oh, yeah. he expects that everyone will see her and go, oh, she's Love so... Her. And a lot of people do. Yes. Because she's so weird. Yeah. Um, and he's like, when people, you know, just walk past, he's like, oh, something wrong with them. Yeah, okay. So maybe this guy's trying to break you out of your... Yeah, maybe it's like a standoff now. It's yeah. like... I mean, it's, it sounds like you're like some taciturn returned, you know, army veteran who's <laughs> suffering shell shock and can't give any of your heart. Exactly. Mm. So maybe I just need to look into this dog's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you've got a um, tumour in your leg or something. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, because there's a oh, dogs can yeah, smell don't. it. Oh. <laughs> well, we well anyway. Can yeah. they also sniff out COVID? Oh. Can they? I think so. Well, no, they train. Oh, they're dogs trained to, to do it. Like yeah, a sniffer yeah. dog, Try not just like a sausage dog. <laughs> I love it. They can they really? They train. We're training certain dogs to do it. Like yeah, like they can train them to sniff out cocaine or something. Well, mm. maybe. <laughs> so it's a cocaine tumor or COVID. COVID. Fantastic. Anyway, so we'll, I've already weekend. had COVID. <laughs> so I'm looking at cocaine or a tumor. Mm. Anyway, well, I was just intrigued to hear what people thought. It just kind of has brought my kind of. No, I think pull your dog away from people unless they ask to pat yeah. it or something. And when people ask to pat my dog, I say no because she, I don't trust it. Yeah, okay. Oh. Um, I didn't realise that dog owners, just quickly, I know we've got to go, that yeah. the dog owners are judging me for not uh, making noises enthusiastically. Yeah. About no, that's their, just, it's like, I, if, I imagine it's like if you have a baby and you think it's the cutest baby in the world, you're like, everyone must think the same as me. Whereas yeah. I know right. that Pepper is a monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just quickly before we go, mm. I have been a tiring week, you know, whatever, but I have been saving up my energy because today, guess where I'm going? Where? <gasps> where? Luna Park. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I know. And I just quickly, I know we've got to go, but yeah. Googled it. Luna Park, um, Australia's historic amusement oh, park. It is. Of all the words, you don't want that. <laughs> no. In a sentence for an amusement park. Are you going? Um... On my own. <laughs> for real? <laughs> Yes. Oh, good. No, yeah. no, I'm going with my nine-year-old niece. Okay, that no, makes a bit cute. more sense. No, I saw we Historic had a Historic is bad, isn't it? It's so bad. They might as well say rickety. Yeah. It's just as yeah. like it's old. Rickety. Yeah. Fire hazard. Yeah, if yeah. there was flames, it could yeah. burn down. Yeah, Australia's most flammable. <laughs> flammable. Come to the So just port. think so about cladding. that. Around 4.30 this afternoon, oh, that's right. where oh, I'll be. there's a storm coming. That'd be is great. It? Oh, great. Oh, fantastic. We cannot, I cannot bail on this anyway. Thanks, Matt. That's right, Triple R. So on the Triple R website yesterday, an article popped up saying that the Community Cup is back yeah, after baby. a couple of years. So that's very exciting. The last uh, Community Cup that was played is, was in 2019. So there were 11,000 punters that came to the game yeah. uh, at Vic Park. So you played. How was it? The best. It was one of the greatest things, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Oh. I've played in two. So I played in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And it is... Such a wonderful. I'd go, I'd gone for many years as well. Yeah, I had I've been, been one of those punters. Yeah, and then um, was so excited to when I got on the grid at Triple R. I was so excited to play Community Cup. Yeah, um, and it's 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 so wonderful. It's such a positive, happy day yeah. and so much fun. And 2019 is also great because we won 
You by one point. One point to Levi, who works here at Triple R. He kicked a goal late in the game, mm. and then. Oh, I can't imagine. Did you guys just go mental? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was so exciting. Um, and there's, there was amazing f- photos of it the moment yeah. it happened, and um, incredible snap from from Levi. But yeah, it was it was so good. And um, just I think also both years I played 2018, 2019 were the coldest day of the year. Oh, really? Both times, just absolutely freezing, numbing, cold. Mm. Um, but who cares? No, who cares? Because <laughs> you don't realise, I think because, you know, you're running around in footy shorts or whatever and, yeah. um, and you've got adrenaline and it's exciting and then I remember going and seeing like, you know, like my parents came or friends came yeah. and they're rugged up in like five layers and hats <laughs> and gloves and you know, oh, it actually is quite cold, isn't mm. it? But um, it doesn't matter because you've got the spirit of the megahertz in you. <laughs> And it's like music and it's um, – I'm so it, – it was it was really devastating. In 2020, I think we're like, well, of course, it's not happening. Nothing's yeah. happening. But last year, I really held out hope. And mm. then, you know, because it was that funny year where things kind of came back and then and they, they didn't. They didn't. And, and yeah. So we, the good the good thing um, is – also, some of us, after we won, went and got tattoos and commemoration. I know. So I, I feel c- like we cursed it. Oh, okay. But – it means that we've been reigning premiers for three years. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> How many of you guys got tattoos? Um, like a good, yeah, like a, not a, not a half God's, thousand kind of a thing. Oh yeah, like maybe eight. Yeah, yeah. I think that's generally the case. If people get um, <laughs> premiership tattoos, it's only a handful. Yeah, of and the all, the talk, all the talk of it beforehand. Oh, we'll do this, and oh, then people yeah, we'll get... shopping around designs, and oh, you're going, <laughs> we can do this, and everyone's is a little bit different. And then oh. you rock up, we rock up to the tattoo place on the day. I'm like, oh, it's quite a small turnout, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but oh. yeah, no regrets. People yeah. often see it and and think. A student the other day asked if it was related to Harry Potter because it's a lightning bolt. Oh, it like, does look oh, like that. I, I hate that. Mm. I hate that you think that because no way. No, not at all. <laughs> Much cooler than that. Now I've been to. Uh, I've only been to one of the training sessions. They have been training for the last. You've been to a few more, Mon. Yeah. Yeah. Been, yeah. been training over the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, and training together, which you're not a big fan not of, into, but no. hopefully they'll separate separate at one point. Um, <laughs> now I was chatting to Chris Gill, and he was saying uh, when he saw me down there, he's like, "Oh, Bobby, he's like, is Daniel coming down? They haven't had all three breakfasters play in." A community cup, there's always been one or two, uh, but never all three. So what's your involvement this year, Daniel? Are you going to get down? <laughs> <laughs> well, back, back pocket. Mate. Well, it is such a massive event and you turn up and it's like, I don't deserve a spot on this <laughs> team. <laughs> really? And, I, I mean, I... 2019, what month did it take? So it's I'd always be, around my June. birthday, yeah, end yeah. of June. So I've been a breakfaster for a grand total of probably, you know, a month. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Still new. Uh, so, but it was, you know, it was awesome to, like I, in particular, I just have memory of Dan Sultan playing. Mm. Yeah. And just having the best time. Uh, yeah, it's it hasn't, the penny hasn't dropped that, you know, that I, I could, yeah, that it's happening. Uh, but uh, look, if if that's what Chris wants, that's what Chris gets. I mean, Absolutely. Persuasive man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, persuasive is a diplomatic way of... <laughs> Intimidating and <laughs> powerful. Uh, yeah, look, if I'm if I'm invited, but why would I be invited? I mean, you got people like Dono running around and just, Levi and Mon and that's, most people are scared of me. <laughs> Talking about intimidation, yeah. that's right it. There. Yeah, no, but you just come, just come down, or you can, um, you know, you can be like Bron Burton from uh, Radio Marinara who mm. always, you know, she's like the mega mum, they call us. She comes yeah. to give us the oranges and I she's know. like, you know, the team kind of. Yeah. Well, I've pledged to be the deep heat guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone needs a rub down with Australia's most iconic <laughs> lubricant. <laughs> Daniel's been just going, to, going down to the park every weekend with a bottle of deep heat. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? I'm meant to be here. I'm a break fast. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so, and what's what's your situation, Bobby? Uh, well, I just went down to one training session, so um, I, I'm keen to get involved in any way, whether it's playing or helping out in some way. Just want to be like, like when you do look back. Uh, I've only been to one of uh, the community cups a few years ago, uh, but I have seen lots of photos. And just being involved in any way, whether you're running the water, if you're uh, maybe not running the boundary, or just anyone that is involved, you just see the pure joy oh, in yeah. everyone's face that is. Um, part of whether the megahertz or the rock dogs but 
God, I, yeah, I, I'm just happy to be involved in any way. So had a bit of a kick when I went down there, so that might be a bit of fun. It's been a while since I've actually played footy. You know, one of the last games that I played, we talk about um, end like this game, the the last Community Cup, coming down to the wire. I, I played in one game when it came down to the wire. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win. But it was a lot... We were playing against Darabin. So you're talking about... Daisy Pierce was playing at the time and Karen Paxman. And the rule was in this semi-final, if the scores were level at the end of the game, the game just kept going until someone went ahead. Oh, wow. But we didn't... Because the rules changed every few years and we didn't know. So everyone was like, is the siren going to go? Like, what's happening? Are we going to do, like, five minutes each side? And it kept going. And the quarter went for 37 minutes. It was the most exhausting, excruciating. And my team had the wind, kept missing, kept missing. It didn't even get a point. And then they broke out ended up the the woman that kicked the goal kicked the goal wet her pants because everyone was couldn't leave the field. <laughs> you couldn't leave the field. So she did it and then we all just collapsed to the ground. What a everyone, celebration. Oh, wow. Everyone jumped on her and then everyone was like, oh, I think we need to get off her. <laughs> but they won and they got through to the grand final. Stop pushing on her bladder. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, was it instant? Like was the ball still in the air? <laughs> I think she said as she kicked it. <laughs> With the leg fully extended. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd floor. do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and that's as the deep heat guy. Yeah, that's, I think that's the kind of energy you can bring. <laughs> Don't need to play. Just just rub people down and piss yourself. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.